On today's show, we will be all over the place. We'll start out talking about Jason Robertson and how he stacks up next to some Dallas Stars greats. Talk about the comparisons that continue between this year's team and the 1920 Dallas Stars squad. And then we'll close out by taking a bird's eye view at the NHL award races. It's all coming up on a Thursday episode of Locked on Stars. Your Locked on Stars, your daily podcast on the Dallas Stars. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, Stars fans. Welcome back to the Locked on Stars podcast, the only daily podcast covering the Dallas Stars, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Dane Lewis, your local expert on all things Dallas Stars hockey, credentialed member of the Dallas Stars media, coming to you on this Thursday, March 10th. Thank you guys so much for stopping by today's episode of Locked on Stars. Whether this is your first time here, or you are a recurring listener. Thank you for making Locked on Stars your first listen of the day. Be sure to subscribe to and follow the Locked on Stars podcast wherever you get your podcast at, whether that's on YouTube or your favorite podcasting platform. We are free and available no matter where you listen or how you listen. But without any further hesitation, let's get right into the meat and potatoes of today's episode. Starting out talking about, of course, the current golden child, or one of the golden children of the Dallas Stars, and that is Jason Robertson. He's really been all the rage as of late, not just with the Dallas Stars, but across the entire National Hockey League. I feel like now with his back-to-back hat tricks, he's finally getting the national recognition that many Stars fans believe that he is worthy of. Pretty much all Stars fans have known how good he is since last season. He was obviously a Calder finalist, was one of the few bright spots for this Stars team throughout an injury-ridden 2021-2022 campaign, or really just 2021, uh, because now it's the 2022 season. But Jason Robertson is only 102 games into his young NHL career, already a star in the making. He's going to be up there in many conversations and debates with some of the other best in the league right now. He's kind of you know, becoming a headliner of this new generation, this new wave of hockey talent in the NHL. And it's really exciting to see in uh, about a month ago, we did a segment on Jake Ottinger talking about him through first his first 50 games of his national hockey league career. Well, now Jason Robertson is 100 games through his early NHL career. And we compared Jake Ottinger to some greats that played for the Dallas stars that played goalie and compared him to those guys with statistics and things of that nature. I want to do the same thing for robo, but now, with his first 100 games under his belt. I want to compare him to three guys, two former Stars players, one current Stars player, who I'm sure many of you might know who it is because they play pretty much the same position on the ice. The first of those guys, uh, actually, before we get into the players, I do want to take a look at Robo's stats. Through 102 NHL games, Jason Robertson has 46 goals, 54 assists, 100 points in total, 10 power play goals, and 22 power play assists. Pretty good numbers from the rookie from California. He is an American-born player, and two of the guys on this list, two, the two former players are also American-born as well. Two guys that are often in the same conversation as some of the best American-born players of all time. The first of those 
being, of course, the greatest Dallas star of all time, Mike Madonna. Mike Madonna threw 100 games in his NHL career, 33 goals, 55 assists, totaling 88 points, 14 power play goals, and 35 power play points in total for the man from Michigan. Pretty similar numbers. Jason Robertson averaging a little bit more points and assist-wise. Uh, actually, not assist. He has one less assist, but a few more goals than uh, Mike Madonna. And Mike Madonna a little bit better of a power play you know, player uh, through this stage, the early stages of his career. Jason Robertson is now finding a little bit of his footing on the power play. And, of course, he is surrounded by some of the best man advantage talent in the NHL with the Stars being a top 10 unit in the league throughout this entire season. If it's not him scoring on the power play, it's Joe Pavelski. It's Rupe Hintz. It's one of the defensemen from the blue line. Really, really good stuff seeing Jason Robertson being compared this closely to Mike Madonna and even being better than him statistically in some areas early in his career. Then, of course, you have Neil Broughton, who played for the Minnesota North Stars for the most of his early career and then played for the Dallas Stars a little bit once they made the move in 1993, he, along with Mike Madano, do have their numbers seven and nine, respectively, retired atop the American Airlines Center's rafters. Neil Broughton, also a member of the United States Miracle on Ice Olympic hockey team. Another fantastic hockey player considered one of the best of all time born here in the States. Uh, 50 goals, 70 assists, totaling 120 points through his first 100 NHL games, including nine power play goals and 31 power play points. So Neil Broughton getting a little bit of the edge as far as points goes and goals and assists. But I know the NHL was a completely different animal back in the 80s. I was not alive 1980 to 1982. This frame where Broughton's first 100 NHL games were played. Heck, I wasn't even alive for most of Madonna's career, especially the prime of his days in the NHL. But still, I know that the defenses were a little bit different. Some are arguing that goaltending now in the NHL is some of the best that it's ever been. So it's more difficult to score goals, but still nonetheless, a great start to a career for Neil Broughton. But Jason Robertson, not too far removed from it. Robertson sitting at about a point per game throughout the early part of his career. Uh, Broughton was doing a little bit better than that. But again, different NHL, different times for both players, respectively. And then you have Jamie Benn, who still currently plays for the Dallas Stars, as we all know. Through 100 games in his early NHL career, he had 26 goals, 27 assists, 53 points. In total, only four power play goals and only nine power play points in total had the now current captain of the Stars team. I just thought that would be an interesting comparison to me because, like I said, they are both considered left-wing players. And Jamie Benn obviously now has gone on to have a fantastic career, winning the Art Ross Trophy and been the centerpiece of many Dallas Stars playoff runs. Uh, I think hopefully he can be that for the Stars this year, be a key contributor there. But also just a guy that I think Jason Robertson gets to look up to and learn from throughout the early stages of his time in the NHL and hopefully the early stages of what is a long tenure in Dallas as a key centerpiece player for this team for years to come. But this is just really encouraging stuff to see. Uh, two of the best American-born players of all time kind of paving the way. And Jamie Benn, of course, who was born in British Columbia. All these guys kind of paving the way for guys like Robo, uh, who now is coming in and putting up as good, if not better numbers in some areas than some of the best Dallas Stars players of all time. Two of these guys, like I said, have their numbers retired. We'll not be shocked if we see 14 go to the rafters in a few years once Jamie calls it a career. So this is a very good sign for Stars fans and the Stars team in general that you get a guy like Jason Robertson, like you did in the second round of that 2017 NHL draft. He's still 
being paid hardly any money in the grand scheme of things in the NHL under 800 K this season. But I think this off season, he's finally going to get that big, big paycheck from the stars front office. And it's going to be much deserved. And hopefully we'll continue to see these numbers grow. And we will, you know, in 20 years from now, be talking about Jason Robertson as another one of the greatest American born hockey players of all time. Today's episode is brought to you by betonline.net. It's that time of year again as college basketball's tournament is finally upon us. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, betonline.net is the number one source for all your sports betting needs and information. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline.net, where the game starts. Jumping back into today's episode of Locked on Stars, your first listen of the day, your host, Dane Lewis, here at Dane, double underscore Lewis on Twitter. You can, of course, find the show on Twitter as well at Locked on Stars. Getting close to 700 followers over there. Be sure to give us a follow on both of our pages if you do not do so already. And, and this is kind of coming up a little bit of what if, if you will, or, uh, you know, thinking about the past, reminiscing. Uh, I've been seeing a lot of stuff lately about we're coming up on the two-year anniversary of the shutdown of a lot of different leagues, at least here in North America. I know at this time, two years ago, plenty of areas across the world that already started shutting down because of the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, but I've seen a lot of stuff um, that we're not too far off from uh, the official two-year anniversary of the shutdown of the MLB, the NBA, and of course, the NHL. That sent pretty much the entire world, but also the sports world into a chaotic spiral. But it, of course, had me thinking about that 2019-2020 Dallas Stars team. Uh, we've already you know, made all the comparisons this year between this year's team and that year's team. Both of them started off poorly. They were losing a ton of games that they probably should have been winning on paper, blowing leads, not winning close games, looking to be in a terrible spot, looking nothing like a team that would eventually go on to be you know, two wins away from the Stanley Cup championship. Uh, and, if, you know, they had that win streak back in the November, December stages of the season back in 2019, 2020. The Stars did that this year. Lots of things look the same for both these teams. But of course, you know, I, I just have to think, I mean, the Stars were third in the Central Division when things shut down. And I just have to wonder, would the season have ended the way it did back in 2020 if there was no COVID pause? Because I think personally, uh, from the way I see things, the COVID pause may have saved the Stars' season. They had lost six straight before then. Uh, a lot of those games were close. I think there was a shootout and overtime loss for the Stars in that stretch. Not really stringing things together well. Of course, there was still about a month left of the season at that point. And of course, like I said, they were third in the division. Still in a pretty good spot, similar to where they're at now. They had finally seemed to have found their footing a little bit overall. And at least in that moment when things got shut down, we're struggling a little bit. But maybe if they had gotten things turned around, uh, they finished a little bit higher up in playoff seating. But nonetheless, whenever they things did get started back up in Edmonton in that bubble, they made the round robin instead of having to play in one of those best of five series, which is where things all start when you think about what if, because, you know, what if the Stars had to play a five-game series against the Edmonton Oilers or the Chicago Blackhawks or another 
Western Conference team that eventually had their season ended in that best of five tournament that never really got to see any of the actual playoff action in the bubble like the Stars did because they literally saw it all because they were one of the last two teams standing in that bubble. So, I mean, that creates its own wormhole within itself as if what, what if the Stars barely made it to the bubble and then what if they barely got to participate at all because they drop a five-game series to a team like Edmonton or Chicago. I also can't imagine that the Stars get a three-seed in the West in the playoffs if things finish out the way that they were aiming to finish out in that 2019-2020 season. As a result, I don't think they get that favorable matchup with the Calgary Flames. In round one, you also have to take into account if this whole playoffs was normal and the rest of the season finished out normal, you're not playing in a bubble. You're playing series where you're having to travel, play teams in their home ice, play on your home ice. And if that Calgary series happens, whether it's a three versus six seed or not, I mean, that traveling takes a toll. You got to play two games in Dallas, two, two, at least two games in Calgary. And then, you know, you go back and forth, back and forth for the, potentially the next three games in that series. And so I think that that was a favorable matchup for the Stars, though. Getting Calgary as the sixth seed, I mean, they still took them to six games, and it was a very challenging series at times. Uh, there was a time where it looked like the Flames may actually come away with the series, but the Stars were able to power through. Would they have been able to do that in a regular playoff series, playing in front of a sold-out arena? Whether it's in Calgary or whether it was in Dallas, who knows? Very, very interesting to consider there. Of course, even then, do they go to seven games in that Colorado series? Do they win? Four of those seven games against Colorado, how do they do against Vegas if they make it that far? Does Vegas even make it that far? Do the Vancouver Canucks still upset the St. Louis Blues in the first round? Do the New York Islanders get through the Eastern Conference Finals and take on the Tampa Bay Lightning? So many things to question of whether or not they would have happened had it not been for the COVID pause. And it's just, in my mind, at least kind of fun and interesting to think about. I mean, these past two years for sports have been chaotic i mean even this time last year it, it felt like things were starting to slowly shift back to normal in the sports world but things were still weird in the nhl with the realigned divisions and i mean everything just thrown out of the loop it felt super weird but now it seems like this year that we're finally back to some normalcy of course we had the covid pause a little bit of a hiccup back in december but now pretty much all of those games have been made up back in february whenever there was supposed to be the olympics but now we just had a normal NHL schedule for the most part. But I, I take comfort in knowing that. I know that the, the world is still chaotic and there's a lot of things still happening in our world. But sports for me have always been a distraction, uh, you know, to kind of get away from the craziness of life sometimes. And we're, we seem to be getting that normal springtime schedule back. The NBA playoffs are slated to start whenever they're supposed to start. The NHL playoffs are slated to start when they're supposed to. And it seems like we're going to be getting the proper teams in every position, in every sport, uh, because these seasons have been more normal. We're getting a true test of which teams are legit contenders, which teams seemingly are going to miss out on the playoffs, and which ones should. So this is really, really exciting stuff that we seem to be getting our spring and summer sports schedule back to normal. It's one of the greatest times of the year with March Madness, NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs. Wish we could throw Major League Baseball in there, but uh, BMLB hates the fans and players, but that's a conversation for a different day and probably a different podcast. But coming up next, we will continue to talk about this NHL season and talk about some of the award races and, and give my thoughts and opinions on who should be winning which awards. And closing out today's episode of Locked on Stars, your first Listen of the day is going to send you on your way by talking about some of the NHL 
awards uh, because as the NHL playoff picture is taking shape, as is the NHL award picture. And unfortunately, not a whole lot of Dallas stars to talk about here. The closest thing we probably have to an award winner is probably Jake Ottinger for Vesna, but he, he hasn't really had that full season of resume like the guy I think is going to win it this season. Maybe in the future, we'll continue to see Jake Ottinger up there with some of the best goalies in the league. I think it's very much possible. Maybe we'll see Jason Robertson thrown into some heart or our Ross conversations down the road, but really nothing to report on as far as Dallas stars on the award list this season, but still a lot of big names and still a lot of interesting storylines coming down to the end of the season. As far as NHL awards, starting with the art Ross trophy, we have the duo from Edmonton McDavid and dry saddle tied with 79 points right now. Jonathan Huberdeau right behind with 78 and Austin Matthews, who's one of the hottest players in the league right now with 75. I think it's an interesting race, but I think one of the guys from Edmonton is going to win it. I mean, you have two of the best players in the league playing with each other, so there's bound to be a lot of assists and goals dealt out between those two guys. It seems like an inevitability. Jonathan Huberdeau would be a cool story because the Art Ross, of course, regardless of who wins it, it's whoever gets the most points, and I think that would be really interesting because, as I'll talk about in a second, I don't think Huberdeau has a great chance to win the Hart Trophy, so it would be cool to see him get some hardware for the season he's having. I think the best shot for that for him is, of course, the Art Ross. So he needs to be able to keep pace, not with just one generational talent at Edmonton, but two with McDavid and Dreisaitl. Next, you have the Maurice Rocket Richard Trophy. I talked about Austin Matthews with 75. Don't know if his chance at the Art Ross or the Hart is great this season, but I think he's a shoe in for this award. He currently has 43 goals, which is the best across the entire National Hockey League. He's been on a tear lately, just distancing himself from the rest of the competition. Leon Dreisaitl, Chris Kreider out of New York, tied for second with 38 goals. Of course, Alexander Ovechkin, 36 on the season, I believe. Now, at the time of recording this, tied for third in all-time NHL goals. I know before I or after I record this episode on Wednesday afternoon that the Capitals do play a game on Wednesday night, so maybe by the time you're hearing this, he has moved firmly into that third spot. But regardless, I think Austin Matthews is going to run away with this award, and it's kind of scary because the Dallas Stars have a matchup with Austin Matthews and friends soon, coming this Tuesday in Toronto. That's going to be a spicy game, and I'm really interested to see how the Dallas Stars plan to shut down the hottest score in the league right now. Of course, you have the Hart Trophy. I think when you look at the Hart Trophy, you give it to the guy out of Edmonton that doesn't win the Art Ross. I think, you know, if if McDavid wins the Art Ross, just give Dreisaitl the Hart. Each guy gets a piece of hardware. Don't know, you know, if that's the best thing for the sport because Edmonton is a fringe playoff team. They could make the playoffs. I could see it maybe happening, but I could also see them missing out on the playoffs entirely. The race in the Pacific Division is incredibly tight right now. I, I mean, it's just going to be one of those things that they need their two guys to step up. I mean, they're getting this fantastic elite scoring from McDavid and Dreisaitl, but that's really all they're getting. They need to put the pieces together and a lot of other places on the roster, maybe go out and get a goalie before the trade deadline to really actually be a legit contender. It would just feel weird to me giving the Hart Trophy to a guy whose team doesn't make the postseason, but these are some of the, the poster boys in the NHL. Again, I don't think Jonathan Huberdeau has a great chance just because he plays in Florida. The Panthers are having a great season, but I mean, it's just not as marketable as, you know, an Edmonton player or even, you know, a player like Johnny Goudreau in Calgary. He's having a good season. Nazan Kadri in Colorado having a good season. I still think it's going to be a guy to Edmonton, although there are a few other good contenders like Igor Shesterkin 
who I think that would be a fun, fun storyline if a goalie wins the Hart Trophy. But also, he's winning the, the Vesna Trophy. There's no need to pretend that other guys are in contention for it. Yeah, UC Soros having a good year. Andre Vasilevsky having a good year. There's a lot of good goalies in the NHL, but Igor Shosturkin is a great goalie right now, and we have a date with him on Saturday whenever the Stars take on the Rangers. More on that matchup on tomorrow's episode, but still, Igor Shosturkin, Vesna Trophy, that's a lock. That's a guarantee that he's winning that award this summer. The Norris Trophy, I think this one's also as bad as close to a lock as you can get, barring something crazy happening to close out the season. I think Kale McCarr of the Colorado Avalanche comes away with this award, he currently has 65 points, which leads all NHL defensemen, but is also 10th in all the NHL in points. I mean, he's 10th with he's up there with some of the best forwards in the league as far as scoring, and he's a defenseman. So he's also one of the best defenders in the NHL. He's one of the best skaters in the NHL. Roman Yossi having a good season for the Preds. Victor Hedman, of course, doing Victor Hedman things in Tampa Bay for the Lightning. But as much as I hate to say it about a division rival, it's got to be Kale McCarr. He's everything that I wanted Miro Haskinen to be this season and a lot more. The Calder Trophy, though, this is where things are really spicy. I think this is the most intense award race down the stretch because it could really just go so many different ways. You have, of course, Trevor Zegras, another one of these future stars of the league with Jason Robertson. He's a flashy player. He gets all the really cool highlight play goals that you see going viral on social media that all the old guys in hockey hate. But still, putting the Ducks in a good position to potentially make the playoffs. You have two guys out of Detroit in Lucas Raymond and Maurice Sider. Raymond with 43 points on the year. Sider with 41. But then seemingly out of nowhere, you have Michael Bunting, 46 points, leading all NHL rookies. Fifth on the Toronto Maple Leafs in points is Michael Bunting, at least personally for me. I feel like I haven't heard anyone talk about this kid, but now all of a sudden he finds himself leading all NHL rookies in points. Fifth on his team in points. And this is a team that has Austin Matthews on it right now. Another guy that we're going to have to be on the lookout for when the Stars match up. So I, I don't know who's going to win this Calder Trophy. I think all four of these guys have a legitimate case to be made. I think Bunting also has the, the, the fact that his team is firmly in a playoff spot and will be going to the playoffs, whereas the Detroit Red Wings pretty much out of the playoff picture at this point. And the Anaheim Ducks are kind of teetering on that playoff spot, might make it in, might not, depends on how the rest of the Western Conference shapes out. But this is going to be a fun storyline to follow. It seems like the NHL is in fantastic hands with all these four guys, as well as some of the other guys. Anton Lindell down in Florida having a pretty good rookie year. Jason Robertson, a Calder finalist last season. He's going to be a bright star. Kirill Kaprizov is still living up to winning the Calder Trophy last season. The future is bright in the NHL. I'm really looking forward to seeing who comes out on top of the Calder race this season. But that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Stars. Thank you again for making Locked on Stars your first listen of the day. Now go make your second listen of the day, the Locked on Fantasy Hockey Podcast. Host Steel Roden and Flip Livingstone help you become the expert of your fantasy league. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast at, just like the Locked on Stars podcast. And if you do not do so already, I encourage you to subscribe and follow our podcast wherever you get your podcast at, whether that's on YouTube or your favorite streaming platform like Spotify or Apple. We are free and available no matter where you listen or how you listen. Be sure to tune in to tomorrow's show as we'll be previewing the big matchup going down on Saturday at the AAC between the Dallas Stars 
and the New York Rangers. Going to get you prepared for that game a day early so that way you can hang out with your friends and family on Friday night and bash them with all this Dallas Stars knowledge. Sound like the smartest fan in the room ahead of this key, key game. That's going to do it for today's episode, Stars fans. Thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great Thursday.